Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Thank you, Marie, for kicking us off today. And thank you, our podcast friends, for spending time with us today. Hey, Rick, this past week you added another level to your series, The Good Life. And I thought it was awfully clever how you turned that phrase from what's kind of normally a hedonistic phrase into something different. Uh, now, you meant to do that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and, and really, here's why. Sean, as I look at the, the people in our culture today, they, they're, they're searching for the right thing. They're looking for the good life, a life that's got peace and joy and fulfillment, but they're looking for it in all the wrong places. Hmm. That's what motivated this series, Living the Good Life, because as Christians, we have found that, that you will find the good life when you find God's purpose for your life. You know, God's the creator. He, he, he knew what he was doing when he made us. He knows what will bring joy and fulfillment and peace. But if we're looking for the good life in all the wrong places, we're going to be frustrated. And as a look in our culture today, it's like, you know, they've, uh, they've leaned their ladder against the wrong building. Right. They get to the top and it's an empty life. Yeah. What, what a tragedy. That's right. So the purpose of this series is helping people to find uh, the good life that God intended. Yeah. yeah. We were talking earlier about how um, uh, Jesus' promise uh, for us was that if we, if we lose our life for him, we'll actually gain it. I mean, that is a strange paradox. It is. One of the great paradoxes that Jesus taught is, you know, if you, if you go looking for life, you're going to lose it. Huh. But if you will lose your life for me, uh, he says, that's how you'll find it. Yeah. It's like if you, if you look at it in the right direction out the front door, God will bring fulfillment in the back door. Yeah. So we're, people are looking for the wrong thing. Yeah. And Jesus is exactly right. As paradoxical as it sounds, lose your life for him. And you'll end up finding the true good life. Yeah, and and I th- I think that it it never stops to amaze me how um, what an audacious claim that really is that he would have um, the 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 gall to to tell people, hey, put everything on me, on me. I'm the person. I'm the one, and uh, and yet he is the one. Uh, and so, uh, what what did C.S. Lewis say about that? Um, about uh, the, the three three ways. Oh yeah, he said. Really, when you look at Jesus, he's he's one of three things. He's either a liar, uh-huh. and just knew exactly what he was a charlatan, uh-huh. or he was a lunatic. Yeah, he actually thought he was the Son of God, yeah. or he is who he said he was, Lord. Yeah, there's your three options, That's and you're right. right. He has the audacity to say, "I am Lord." Put your faith and trust in me. Follow me, and you will find the abundant life. Yeah, yeah. So, and, for the, and you can't convince people of that if they're hard-hearted. Yeah, okay. it's hard to convince people, but once you're on the other side and you experience it, then you go, "Wow, it really is true." Yeah, it really is true. Because Sean, you and I, we've experienced 
uh, a joy that the That's world right. doesn't give, a peace that the world doesn't give. We go through the same things yeah. that the world goes through. We're, we're not immune. Yeah. But we go through it in a different way. And yeah. you can live the good life even in a bad world. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this week you, you place the focus back on us, uh, on our mindset, attitudes, and behavior, and how the good life is not something that we, well, basically parasitically enjoy, but, but one in which we actually produce. So, you know, this kind of reminds me of the Happy Series. Uh, are, are you tying in the good life with its focus on being other-oriented and, and the actual enjoyment of life? It is interesting how this ties directly into the Happy Series message. Uh, and it's it's a message that you'll find, Sean, all the way through Scripture hmm. that, uh, again, that selfish living, you would think, would lead to great fulfillment. You know, the get all you can, can all you get, set on the can. Boy, you're going to be a happy, fulfilled person. No, those are the miserable people. Yeah, Selfish living leads to unhappiness. And as ironic as it may sound, the good life is found in selfless living. Yeah. And it's, it's really found in, in giving yourself away. Wow. So you, you started off by talking about our identity. Uh, why not just give us a list of things that we ought to do? This is, uh, this is the good, these are the good things that you should do in the world. But you didn't do that. You started with our identity. Why? And I love the way Scripture does this. Scripture always begins with who you are not mm. what you do. Mm. If you start off with, here's what you need to do, you become a legalist. Because then you make a list, and it becomes a checklist. And the more checks you have, the better you feel about yourself. And you say, wow, God, aren't you glad to have me on your team? Mm. And then you become a legalistic Pharisee. Uh. Rather, the scripture says, focus on on who you are. Because what we do must always flow from who we are. And I, I love what you said, Sean, is that transformation precedes any transaction mm. that we perform for others. Now, the problem is we can, we can remember as Christians who we are on Sunday morning when we're in the assembly mm -hmm. talking about here's who we are. The problem is by the time Wednesday hits, we forget who we are. That's right. So I, that's what I love about Peter. He's saying you have to be reminded of who you are. And in the, the section we looked at, Sean, he, he uses three word pictures, living stones, chosen people, and aliens and strangers. Yeah. He, he drives home. You have to remember this is who you are. Why? Why should, why should you remember that you're a living stone? Because by Wednesday, you feel like a common alley rock because <laughs> you've been kicked around. Right. And, and Peter says, no, 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 you're not a common alley rock. You're a living stone in the temple of God. By Wednesday, you, you, know, you forget that you're a, one of the chosen people. Why? Because the world has made you feel very ordinary, yeah. sometimes subordinary. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And Peter says, no, no, you're extraordinary. You're a chosen member of the people of God. My favorite is that third picture. He says, you have to remember, all week long, you're an alien and a stranger in this world. Yeah. I mean, why is that so important? Because by Wednesday, the world is saying, come and join us. Be one of us. And we begin to feel like, oh, yeah, I am part of the world. Yeah. Peter says, no, no, 
you don't fit here. If you feel different, good. If you live different, good. That means you are living as an alien and a stranger. Your citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. Yeah. I love how you, well, because you're, you're commenting on scripture, but I love how you how you encapsulate that in just a simple way. I think that the, not not simplistic, but I, I love the difference between the words simple and simplistic. And uh, it is very simple. It doesn't make it mean it's easy, but it means it's, it's very, we can, we can, uh, understand it right away. Um, I love the fact that every time we go through 101, you said that our goal is to help you know more and more about less and less. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, and it's, if you think of a, a bullseye on uh-huh. a big target, so often in a week, we don't focus in on the bullseye. Yeah. We get caught up in the trivial pursuits out on the edge of the target. Mm-hmm. And you know, we end up majoring in the minors and minoring in the majors. And, and the simple truths are the most important truths. That's the bullseye. Yeah. So we do, we have to get back to who Jesus Christ is, who he's called us to be. Yeah. So not to toot our own horn, but okay, there I did. I just tooted our horn. <laughs> but okay. So really when, when, when you talk about this simple change of who we are, you're, you're talking about being born again, right? Um, uh, because even lost people, people without God and want nothing to do with God, I mean, they can do good things, right? So why is it necessary, or is it necessary, to be born again to live a good life? It is important, and it is essential, because it's a question of motivation. It, huh. The question is, okay, you, you do good things, why? Why do you do good things? Now, Sean, as, as Christians, our motivation is very simple. Gratitude. Mm. Gratitude for what God has done. Everything we do in serving other people, loving other people, sacrificing for other people, it all grows out of saying, thank you, God. It's all motivated by gratitude. Mm. Frankly, out in the world, people, people can do good things. They can be very altruistic, but... It can be for self-serving purposes. I right. know people. They, you know, they they join a service organization. They're going to serve the community, and and they do. They do good things. But what's the motivation? Well, I want to become a part of this so I can network and build my business. <laughs> I want to be able to meet some new p- potential clients. Yeah. And it it becomes a self-serving enterprise rather than. I just want to serve people because look what God has done in my life. Yeah, I, I think that there's, I'm certainly not saying if you're listening, don't do good things for the sake of doing it because it's good. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, that even, even when somebody says, well, I want to make sure that when I die, people will speak well of me. Um, well, that's, that's a selfish motivation. And, and then there's the problem, Sean, you and I both, we do a lot of funerals. Yeah. And Sometimes they're not believers. Right. You know, we the family doesn't have a church home, and they ask us to do a service. It always amazes me that friends will get up and and provide the eulogy for the service, and they will talk about how wonderful their friend was, and he did this, and she accomplished that, and and isn't it going to be wonderful when we all get to heaven? And the reason our friend is going to be in heaven is because of all the good things he or she did. Mm. Mm-mm. And that's in direct conflict with the message of the gospel that says you will not get to heaven 
by your good works. Yeah. Uh, our good works, our acts of righteousness are as filthy rags, the Bible says. You only get to heaven by the grace and mercy of God that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And there's the problem. is It, it causes people to fall into the trap of thinking, I will get to heaven by being an altruistic person. Mm, wow, wow. So Peter is, is, is speaking directly to that. You are speaking directly to that, that uh, we, it flows from the change that happens within us. Um, let, if you don't mind, let's swing back to um, what you described as the other part of being good in the world. And that is, uh, as a believer, we're, we're to be witnesses to the world as, as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Uh, we never stop being ambassadors, do we? I mean, when it, when it comes to living a life worthy of our commission, what would help us to do that in the daily grind? Yeah, and this really grows out of, of the section in First Peter that we studied Sunday. And we have to get the order right. Peter started with our identity. Mm-hmm. You got to remember who you are. And then he went to responsibility. Here's what you do. And we, rem- we, we remember who we are. That's where we start. But then, during the week, we remember, okay, I have a responsibility as a living stone of God, as a member of the chosen people, even as an alien and stranger in this world, I am an ambassador for Christ. So we have to see ourselves as, yeah, we're different from the secular culture, but we're different, Sean, in a good way. We're not weird. We're not obnoxious. But there, there needs to be something about the way we live our good life that is very attractive. Mm-hmm. We want to live a good life where people will say, well, that's not the way I'm living, but I'm, hmm, I wonder if that would be a better way of living than I'm living now. Yeah. And that's where we need to be like the magnet, drawing people uh, to the good news that Jesus Christ can transform your life into a better person. Yeah, yeah. When you were talking about that, I was I thought back to the the book. Um, oh boy, Alter Ego. Oh, Craig Rochelle. Craig Rochelle's book. Yeah, when he when he talked about you know when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Yeah. And uh, I so it kind of goes back to that whole identity, but then of course the identity speaks to exactly what we'll do. Um, so speaking of a life worthy of our commission. Um, you remarked on a strange, on the strange collaboration that we share in this world. Um, and as I'm thinking back, I'm just amazed because this is Peter speaking to first century believers whose own government was trying to actively dismantle and destroy them. And yet he actually has the gall to say to them, I want you to submit to authority and show proper respect. What, what can we learn from our first century family? Yeah, Peter is right on track, and he, he knows that that authority, the whole concept of government authority, was instituted by God, yeah. and, and very wisely to, to create an environment where chaos doesn't reign. Can you imagine what happens if, if a, a community of people, if they have no government? Yeah. There's no one there to... Well, Peter, there's no one there to punish the wrongdoer yeah. and to reward the person who does good, which is, according to Peter, the God-ordained purpose of government, punish the evil and reward the good. So I love it, the fact that Peter says, 
even in a government that is off the rails. And you have to remember, Nero was the supreme ruler, and the governors at that time were evil, ruthless people. So what does Peter say? We still submit to the idea, to the concept of authority. And I love his word, very important, we show proper respect. Yeah. To me, that's what we learn more than anything else. Uh, even in our culture today, there's people uh, right now, they don't like the federal government. They don't like who got elected. Uh, here in the state of New Mexico, mm -hmm. a lot of people do not approve of our governor. Mm -hmm. So what what do we do? Do we go burn down the mansion that she lives in? Mm -hmm. No, we, we show respect. If we have differences of opinion, we attack policy, not the person. Yeah. And I think driving, what drives all of this behind everything, Peter is saying, Christians, in the culture, don't be a troublemaker. Be a good citizen. Yeah. But at the same time, Sean, we have to remember, and this helps me, we have to remember government is not the ultimate answer. Right. Government will not fix our problems. Uh, all you have to do is look around. Yeah. Has government solved our problems? Has it fixed the ailments in our culture? Absolutely not. Mm. The solution is not going to be earthly government. It's going to be the kingdom of God. And so when the kingdom of God, the rule of Jesus, comes in the hearts and lives of people, that's what changes the world, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I heard this right, but I, so maybe I shouldn't say it, but no, I'll just say it. I heard that Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who, who of course, was, who grew up in, during the Soviet era, uh, he was imprisoned in their gulag, um, and yet he actually said, you know, the only thing, I've come to see that the only thing worse then a tyrannical government is is no government, anarchy. And I thought, wow, you know, here's a guy who uh, was looking at, at a totalitarian system and he was he still said that. And as I look around the world, I think there, I know where the, the tyrannical governments are, mm -hmm. but I also see where there's open anarchy. There is no law and it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, even in this last year, we saw anarchists in our own country. Yeah you know, take over portions of a city. Uh -huh. And you, you do, you say, well, yeah, how'd that go? How'd that work out for you? Mm. It did not work out well at uh -huh. all. It did not work out. And so uh, Sosanistan is exactly correct. The, what's worse than an evil, evil government is anarchy. No government at all. Yeah. Peter understood that. He had a bad government that he had to work under and live in. But he said, here's how, here's how Christians live in a tyrannical government. Yeah. You, you're not a troublemaker. You, you be good citizens. You show love. You serve. But you remember government is not going to solve your problem. How do you think maybe some of these people in Pontus and Galatia and the other, other places where this was written, how, when they read that, did they, do you think that they winced a little bit? It's like, oh, why did he say that? <laughs> oh, I can imagine because you, I'm sure you had some who were ready to revolt. Yeah. And attack the Romans. Yeah. And others who were saying, let's build a monastery somewhere and go hide out. Yeah, yeah. So here Peter just cuts cuts against the grain in both of those attitudes and says, no, no, no. Here's what you do. You go live the good life in the right in the middle of the pagans. Yeah. You live the good life. Man, are you going to get hit? Oh, yeah. You're going to get attacked? Absolutely. Ridicule? We talk about that in two weeks. When yeah. we get to chapter four, oh, man, get ready. And that's where Peter says, here's how you really live it out. 
not just in a dysfunctional government, but in a government that's attacking. My mind drifts back to Jesus' um, parable of the wheat and the tares, where uh, the, the wheat is sown amongst the weeds, and it was meant to be that way. Uh, and that, that is a difficult place, I think, for us to try to live out. But, and, and you told in your message, and, and so, of course, folks, if you haven't heard the message, you need to go back because you're not going to get this story. But you talked about your example, this great example of, of how to work for a bad boss. Uh, and, and you said this phrase, I think, that, that really, uh, really got me. And when you said, you know, your attitude at work is not contingent on the value of your boss's worthiness to lead. I mean, that's a bold statement right there. Why is it important not to stoop to the lowest level of others' attitudes? Yeah, and you know, people haven't heard the story, they really need to listen to it because <laughs> I had a story. bad boss. Oh man, he was bad. You know, uh, John Maxwell, his book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, this uh -huh. guy violated every law, <laughs> every law. He's a horrible boss, but I made a decision I was not going to live down to his level. Yeah. I was going to get, live up to the standard that God set for me. Huh. And so I was going to I was going to just well, to quote the apostle Paul, I was going to walk worthy of my calling. I was going to live my life worthy of my calling. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Yeah. And so this guy, man, he, he was low level, low level boss. And I said, "Okay, I can either live down to his level or I can live up to the to the standard that Christ set for me. And the the fascinating end of the story is that by the end of the summer working with this guy, uh, he really ha had respected me. And, and whenever he needed a special project done and needed help, he would call on me. Wow. And say, hey, Rick, come on, I need your help. And, and, and he treated me at that point with a great deal of respect. And I had to earn that respect. Yeah. But I learned a great lesson. Sean, uh, don't be controlled by your environment. Mm -hmm. It's the old example of the, the fish who lived its entire life out in the ocean. Yeah. And then he got caught by the fishermen and he was served up uh, at a restaurant. And think about it. This fish lives the, its entire life in a salty water environment. And when he gets to the restaurant, what's the first thing we do? We put salt on it. Somehow that fish was able to live in the environment, but never let the environment live in it. Yeah. There's the challenge. Every day, to quote Peter, live the good life among the pagans, but don't let the pagan lifestyle ever live in you. Wow. Wow. What a task. Now, I know you're a big John Wooden fan, and I love his phrase, make every day your masterpiece. How, how does that fit in the realm of our, of our identity and our responsibility? Yeah, it, what Peter is saying is don't go out into the world with a negative, critical, complaining attitude. Oh, I hate my boss. I hate my job. I hate life. No, you flip the switch and, and walk into your week saying every day is an opportunity to be the salt and light of Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, the world has no taste. I'm going to be salt. Yeah. The world is dark. I'm going to be light. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be different in a good day, in a, in a good way. And by doing that, I believe you will find yourself making every day 
your masterpiece. Wow. We really will be a peculiar people. Absolutely. But peculiar in a good way. Yeah. Not weird and obnoxious, (laughs) but appealing. Yeah. Appealing to the world. Wonderful. All right. Well, Rick, fantastic message. Is there anything else happening in Grace that we uh, ought to be aware of? We still are excited about uh, showing the movie The Chosen. We're showing Mm. episodes every Friday evening. But now there's going to be a change this week, Sean. What's the change in the format well, and the time? Yeah, it's, it's been so exciting. People, uh, we, we ended up this past Friday and, and it's like the lights came up and people were wondering, is that it? And so I, I made the decision, let's do two episodes at a time. And so, I mean, we're used to binge watching these days anyway on Netflix. So that's what we're going to do. We're, gonna, we're not going to binge watch totally. We're going to watch two episodes over the next three weeks. And so we'll do episodes three and four this coming Friday. But because of the, the amount of time that it's going to take, we're going to back it up, back up the starting time from 7 o'clock to 6.30. So if you're going to make it this Friday, please come. 6.30, we're going to watch two episodes. We'll still have snacks. Oh, yeah. And it'll, it'll be about <laughs> around 8 o'clock. So it's about yeah. an hour. Just plan an hour and a half. Yeah. That's a, that's a great plan. Hey, coming up May 2nd here at Grace, we're doing a blessing of the bikes. Mm. So the patio will be filled with motorcycles that day. And we we pray over the bikes and the bikers. And if it's good weather, you guys are going to go for a ride. That's right. That's right. So how can they get details? Well, they just go to roswellgrace.com and uh, look for... Uh, look for the slide uh, where it talks about the blessing of the bikes. And uh, so thank you, Rick, for being a part of that, for praying over us. We need your help. Hey, my pleasure. One final thing. This Sunday, week three in Living the Good Life, uh, excited about this message. It's living the good life in our homes. Last week was in the world. Now we're going to really dive in. What does it look like in a, in a marriage? How do you mm. live the good life? It's, it's tough. Marriage is tough, and our culture isn't helping. So Kevin Price, one of her pastors here, is going to be giving the message. And I've had a sneak preview. I'm telling you, folks, you do not want to miss this message, living the good life in our homes. All right. Help us live our dash at home. Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.